Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. On today's show, I open with a few details of my trip to rapidly deteriorating Los Angeles before I dive into the latest on Migrants Vineyard and the busing and flying of aliens, don't call them illegal, throughout the land. Then I get into some true facts about my son Hunter. I play some clips from the Trump J.D. Vance rally in Ohio over the weekend. I talk about the poor health of John Fetterwoman, as he is known, and some news on Queen Elizabeth's funeral. Our guest today, Jay Christian Adams, who's an attorney and a former DOJ whistleblower who recently scored a big victory for election integrity. And you'll want to hear all about that before we touch on the latest on the FBI and Department of Justice's pursuit of the bad orange man. A prominent left wing group has blatantly been caught abusing their 501c3 status. And we talk about why he thinks the Queen's legacy is so important, even here in the United States. He's a super articulate guy with a lot of uh, knowledge and experience. So you'll enjoy the interview, I promise. Let's get into it. spoke at a conference for Turning Point USA in Phoenix, which uh, was on Saturday morning and it's meetings around there as well. They had a conference on the Great Reset. First thing is I will note that that speech that I gave, I think it was probably my best speech I've ever given. And I say this because of a combination of things. Obviously, the, you, you build up uh, certain skills over time. But second of all, I did a lot of research on it. And so it's more of a traditional speech than me just sort of winging it based on stuff that I like. It was a, a very, very much prepared, uh, not that much rehearsed, but I will say that I prepared the speech, researched a lot and spent a lot more time than I usually do because the Great Reset, not my typical, uh, I would say, repertoire of things that I'm talking about beyond you know touching on it briefly in the show, interviewing someone, et cetera. Uh, but to prepare 30 plus minutes on it, it took some, some effort and it's really good. And we've got some clips up at brightboard.com. Right now, if you want to check it out, I would recommend you seek out the whole thing, which is also on the page somewhere at Breitbart News, and um, but we get some clips up at the front page right now, which you want to take a look at, and it was a lot of effort to go into it. And then needless to say, I stopped by uh, my home, saw some family members yesterday, my old home in Los Angeles, California, and uh, it was a quite, quite a, a show that the city had put on for me. And those of you who are unfamiliar with the broadcast, I'm a native Los Angelino. And I got there and my brother-in-law was there with his kids and his, he's got two kids and they're the exact same age as Master Marlowe, Master Marlowe Jr. And so we made a day of it going to the La Brea Tarpets. Have any of you guys been in the La Brea Tarpets? The La Brea Tarpets is a, uh, it, it is a site where they had some of the biggest um, uh, levels of preserved fossils because there was tar that both kills you know, prehistoric animals and then also preserves their uh, their, their bones, et cetera, for studying by archaeologists. So, it, you know, it's just like entire mammoths and mastodons preserved in the tar. Like you get the, it, they're pristine, unbelievable. It's truly stunning stuff, aside from the area around it. And I posted on my Instagram, I have not been posting on social media, but this one got a huge response because La Brea Tarpets is not only a world renowned historic site plus multiple museums now where you can go and spend the afternoon with family it is also apparently a campgrounds so you can apparently camp there 
Now, I don't know if people who have homes can camp there, but if you're a homeless individual, then you can certainly camp there because there's a tent city that has been erected. And I want to thank the mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, on the fast track to becoming president of the United States. Uh, he and I went to the same high school, sort of. It was um, slightly, it was all boys when he was there. Harvard School, and then became Harvard Westlake, merged with Westlake, which is an all-girls school. Uh, and then I followed in his footsteps. Who do you think is uh, the more beloved alum of the school, alumnus? Do you think it's Mayor Garcetti, Democrat, who has failed the entire city of LA, or me, humble blogger and talk show host? Uh, I would like to uh, suggest that I'm sure my school is much more proud to have a left-wing failed mayor than, you know, someone who's on, on the air and writing books and doing other cool stuff, but has a different political persuasion, shall we say. So truly a disgrace, and you can see the images if you go to Instagram.com um, slash Marlowe News, you can see a little footage. And the it really does look like a campsite. They're making it into a campsite. It's filthy. Um, the grass is not grown properly. It is uh, dirty, barred windows, tr- trash bags. It, it's just wild to watch what's going on. And then we were driving back to Nani and Nano's house, and we filled up, got some gas, the gas station. I know, don't tell Governor Newsom, don't tell him that we got some gas and we didn't have an electric plug-in to use, but just not between the hours of 3 and 8, et cetera. Uh, but the, uh, then we watched a drug deal go down. But I have to say, the dealer had an epic car. It was really cool. It was really cool. It was a Mercedes, and they had this sort of gl- uh, uh, glittery paint job. It was a dark red, almost glittery. And then he had this red interior. It was sweet. But then he was doing dealing drugs for my kids. So I don't like the guy, but he had a cool car, a really cool car. And we're tolerating. We're acting like this stuff is not happening. Um, everything in my social media feed was this incident over the weekend in New York where a guy, a madman caught on video smashing uh, up something at a McDonald's and then he was released without bail. A guy apparently named Michael Palacios who was arraigned on first de- fourth degree criminal mischief. What is that about? Fourth degree possession of a weapon. He'd been released many times. From other stuff, uh, it's just it's just surreal scenes, surreal scenes in our cities, and yet much of the country believes that we should have less law and order, police should be defunded, and if not defunded, they should be you know sued until they're uh, uh, unable to do anything. What do you think is? the solution here. Now, the solution is complicated, but I'll tell you one thing we do know. We do know that every one of these major cities, Democrats are in charge and they're all deteriorating. They're getting more expensive, they're getting filthier, they're getting more crime ridden, they're getting less pleasant. And you can't bring families around there. You just can't do it. So it was kind of sad because uh, other than that, it was a nice day. It was a nice day and it was perfect weather. All the family getting along and you're just constantly confronted with filth. You're constantly confronted with people who are not people who pay into the system, who are taking away from the time that is spent of families, of taxpayers. I'm not saying there's an easy solution, but I am saying that if you volunteer for the job of mayor, if you volunteer for the job of city council, if you volunteer for the job of police chief or sheriff, it's on you to figure stuff out. 
There are many other jobs. You can run a comic book shop. You can trade stocks. You can become an attorney. You could be a bicycle repairman. I mean, there's lots of people have other careers other than being in charge of cities. So if you're in charge of a city, then you probably should make it so that families are prioritized over uh, non-tax paying criminals. Just a thought. That said, I do plan on going back next weekend to the La Brea Tarpons, and I will camp out there. My camp, camping sesh, my fam. Um, but I will recommend if you can get that speech online, I would try to get it. Maybe I'll try to angle to uh, release it somehow as podcast or something because a lot of work goes into these things. And I'm starting to try to take my speeches more seriously. Even though I, I've got, look, it's the, I'm a public speaker for a living. So I can always give a speech. Pretty much on any topic, I can do it. But to give a good one, that takes a lot of extra work. So uh, I hope all of you check it out, some clips on front page right now. All right, so then we'll get into... The biggest news of the weekend is still the busing wars. Um, and uh, Biden has now claimed he's taken unprecedented action to secure the border. And you guys believe that? Do you believe that Big Joey the Biden has taken unprecedented action? Even though Kamala Harris announced the border is secure, we're clearly not building any wall. We've ended Remain in Mexico. I, I mean, you almost have to enjoy it because this is clearly their tactic at this time um, to announce that things are things like we're the best at this of all time. And they're doing this on a variety of issues where they'll just declare victory. Uh, you might recall that there was a party for the decline of inflation and the, <laughs> for the inflation reduction act last week where inflation went up, literally numbers coming out saying that inflation is going up while they're throwing a party for the decline of inflation. So this is their new tactic. It's just it's absurd to it and insane. They, they announced that uh, it is the MAGAs or the maggots who are dividing the country. Bill Biden portrays them all as criminals. Uh, I got a kick out of that a lot. So Biden is apparently exploring legal options against the illegal aliens. I'm sorry, against the Republican governors who have moved the migrants. Recall the meltdown over 50 illegal aliens brought to Martha's Vineyard, or as we call the bright part now, migrants vineyard from Florida, immediately the next day shipped to military base, deported from blue Martha's Vineyard, if you will. So good. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams has suggested that Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis of Texas and Florida, respectively, are only busing and flying migrants to cover up their anti-abortion and pro-gun abuses. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant guy. Opining on national issues yet again, even though he is uh, the presiding over one of these struggling cities. Same deal with Governor Newsom out in California, who's now challenged Ron DeSantis to a debate. All of the families, like mine, who wasted time over the weekend going to a historic landmark in California and having their time ruined by uh, vagrants and criminals and just had a totally unpleasant time because of the filth and the nastiness in Newsom State, I would probably suggest that Newsom focus on his task at hand, which is governing the biggest state in the union and not on debating the governor of Florida. That's just me, though. It's my hot take on the subject matter. 
Republicans are starting to get the picture. And I do think that is, even though I want to be cautious, I think the notion of the red wave has been slowed or whatever uh, has been exaggerated. The, uh, they had a panel hosting parents of fentanyl victims. One had a powerful line saying, our children didn't overdose, they were poisoned. And one of the things we had on the front page at Breitbart over the weekend was a lead layout suggesting the uh, Democrats are now outraged over 50 migrants being you know, flown to Martha's Vineyard, but they have never been outraged over fentanyl overdoses and fentanyl flowing over our border, killing Americans every single day. They've never been outraged by the lawlessness of it all. They've never been outraged by the undercutting of Americans' wages. They've never been outraged about the migrants who are dying in hot tractor trailers. Migrants who are dying 80 miles into their track throughout Texas to try to get to a better life for themselves. They're not outraged over the cartels that are making money off our broken immigration system. None of that stuff truly outrages them. What outrages them is Governor DeSantis pointing out that they're lawless and illogical with his flying of 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard. And I do hope it continues. John Nolte noted a poll showing that most likely voters, the majority, approve of moving illegal aliens to sanctuary cities, which Martha's Vineyard is needless to say. Of course, the Governor Santos knew well enough to send people to a sanctuary city if he's going to send them anywhere. Hillary Clinton likened it to human trafficking. Do you think it's like human trafficking? First of all, I don't want anyone associated with the Epsteins talking about human trafficking. Almost makes me angry. Hillary's got a a trolling streak that was just so overmatched by Trump, but she's really got a big one. Um, But it is, if you have got any ties to Epstein, no human trafficking talk for you, you're banned. I censor you. I will use my algorithm to slow down the advance of those ideas via social media. I can't do that, but I would if I could. Martha's Vineyard voted 84% for Joe Biden for permanent residence. And then they deport the illegal aliens right away. Hypocrisy there? Any of you are on the fence, fence sitters? It was stunning to see Democrats praise themselves as do-gooders trying to help the migrants for 24 hours and deporting them. So typical. Note that there are also, in the list of things that the Democrats are not angry about. They're not angry about the migrant flights into the interior of this country, which are there's way more of Biden doing exactly what Ron DeSantis did, flying migrants everywhere and dropping them off places. We covered the, we covered this guy, the guy means on a constant basis at Breitbart News, but in the middle of the night so often, flying people in, dropping them off, and the media doesn't really care that much. Maybe they'll write something uh, but they don't treat it as though it's a really big deal. But Amy Furr and John Binder noted that 50 illegal aliens represents less than 0.001% of illegal aliens that have uh, immigrated. Oh, ooh, I'm not supposed to say illegal aliens. Migrants or aliens. Sorry, I don't want to piss off the fact checkers. Excuse my French. Um, but it's 0.001% of total border crossers under Biden. So... It was a fun weekend online for that reason. Any of you who cover this stuff or like to live minute to minute. 
Elizabeth Warren said it was repulsive and cruel to dump illegal aliens at uh, the wealthy part of um, her state. Al Sharpton said that Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott is racial. It was racially tinged for them to send migrants to D.C. and Chicago and New York City. Okay, all right, they're racist. I knew it. I thought they were racist because they were Republicans, and now I know for sure because Sharpton said so. DeSantis, of course, took a victory lap because of the deportations by the Democrats, kicking them out as if that's okay. So it's not okay for Governor Abbott or Governor DeSantis not to want, not want so many illegal aliens, but um, the it's okay for Democrats in blue areas to not want so many illegal aliens. All right. Um, lawyers have uh, now try on the left are going to try to f- have a criminal investigation and criminal probe into this political stunt. And I, I imagine Abbott and DeSantis are smart enough to know that this is either not going to stand up legally or politically speaking, it's going to backfire in a major way because it'll just draw attention to the open borders nature of all Democrats policies. Uh, the you got Jay Johnson, who was the Homeland Security Secretary under Obama, suggested that this is a political stunt in treating people like livestock. Now, I would submit leaving the border open specifically to get a new generation of undocumented Democrat voters is treating people like livestock. That's just me. That's just my take. That a country that did not treat human beings like livestock would just have a normal border where people would announce themselves as they come in and out every time. But we intentionally don't have that in this country. Why don't we have people announce themselves when they come in and out of the country? Why don't we figure out during a pandemic whether or not people entering have a virus or not? Whether or not there are people who are criminals, whether or not there are people who are perhaps tied to cartels, whether or not they have some sort of illegal illicit drug that could kill people on on their person at the time. We don't care about that. Why don't we care about it? Because people who take up residence here will either become Democrats themselves or their children will become Democrats. That's why, Jay Johnson. And then in the media, of course, this is not, um, you know, it's, it's not even a factor. The hypocrisy, which is so blatant. It must be surreal to watch for some of you who still have the established media as part of your routine to see stuff like this take place. Uh, most of you probably in this audience have a guess if you're waking up at you know 6 a.m. on a Monday and you're checking out the show, you're trusting me and the Breitbart team, et cetera, to go through it and tell you what's the important stuff. But if you do watch it, it, it is amazing to see the reality that these people reside in. Where Jay Johnson, who intentionally left the border open under Obama to act as though it's really the Republicans who are mistreating the people. There's been a humanitarian crisis at our border that Obama is largely responsible for and Jay Johnson is largely responsible for. Not to say Republicans have done a good job on this. They've done a bad job on it. Trump's border policy, of course, left something to be desired. And George Bush was terrible on the issue. But it's, uh, I, I mean, the Democrats are the ones. They, 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 they are the ones who treat people like livestock. All right, um, let me continue. I'll bring up My Son Hunter, mysonhunter.com, mysonhunter.com, mysonhunter.com. I hope all of you watched 
over the weekend. If you didn't, you have something to look forward to. It's so fun. I've been uh, in, so enjoying tracking the coverage of it. And when I spoke at Turning Point, I mentioned it, and I got a huge applause for it. So it shows that it's really people are watching, people are paying attention. And um, it's the best thing you can do to help us right now. I would uh, commend to you Emma Jo Morris' series she's got out. She's been putting up a couple stories, um, maybe so every day, every other day. We're calling them true facts, which is somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I mean, they're all true, but of course, facts are supposed to be true. But now we know facts sometimes are not true in the current fake news era. But uh, true facts about Joe Biden that are actually in the movie, for example, that he threatened to withhold $1 billion from Ukraine to protect uh, the company Hunter Biden was working with. 100% true. That did happen. It's real life. There's video of it. We played on the show many times. And But again, it's always worth a refresher, and it comes up in the movie. So she's got a bunch, and they're all they're all really good. Check that out. Get some good endorsements. Matt Gates has said uh, my son Hunter is a much must watch, and Breitbart nails it. Uh, he'll be on the broadcast this week, I believe. Oh, here's another true fact: Hunter Biden received three point five million dollars from Moscow for unknown reasons. <laughs> it's so good because we were told the Democrats really don't like the Russians. Of course, if they're loading up Hunter Biden's bank account, they're cool with them. All of a sudden. And yours truly had a big story that I'm quite proud of that went up on uh, Friday evening. Uh, media's top eight Hunter Biden laptop deniers. Laptop deniers. And many, many honorable mentions. Dozens and dozens of honorable mentions. Um, but this was really fun to put together. Lots of fun images and videos. And I, uh, the, the, this one is a... Not just a reported piece, but I, tr- I tried to write it in an entertaining way. So you'll enjoy reading this. You want to look up the Alexander Marlowe byline at Breitbart News. Check that out. But it's just so much fun because the movie provides so much history, and I like to supplement it. Or that's what we've been doing at Breitbart.com, reminding you of all of the true facts that are behind the narrative that is this really entertaining feature. My Son Hunter. And the stunning level of media misinformation about this, it's, in my mind, it just grows and grows. Uh, And just the the negative reviews, we just are still, we almost have more fun with the negative ones, the positive ones at this point. The Politico White House reporter didn't like it, a guy named Max Tani. We were shocked by this. We try to highlight some of these for you. And I would say, those of you who are so inclined, while I was cleaning up and doing dishes and cooking over the weekend, I did listen to the panel for My Son Hunter that we did that aired on, um, was it it was, was it Wednesday show? Uh, it was the podcast on Thursday, the Breitbart News Daily podcast on Thursday. I, I hope everyone checks it out. It's an hour-long panel with the producers, Phelan McAleer and Ann McElhinney. Uh, the star John James, who plays Joe Biden, and Robert Davi, the director, and it's a really good panel. And uh, I, I learned a lot listening back to it. I wasn't focused on which question I'm going to ask next. All right, some other things that I will bring up on the broadcast. World Health Organization Chief Dr. Tedrow said the end of the coronavirus pandemic is in sight, and the world is in a winning position. Joe Biden also announced that the pandemic is is over over the weekend. So, so the pandemic's over. Dr. Chedra says in sight. And I'm wondering why would they do this? Because they like to keep us under control. This was a big topic of my speech in the Great Reset. 
in using the pandemic to control us and um, experiment on us, etc., and make new rules financially where the elite, the technocrats, mostly unelected, give us a top-down prescription on what we need to do in our personal lives was the opportunity of a lifetime for the globalist elite and people who want some sort of a big new world order super state. So if they're announcing they're coming back on, there's something up, clearly. And I have reason to believe that, this is just my guess, and I will track this at Breitbart News, I have reason to believe there's probably going to be new information suggesting that the vaccine efficacy is, is waning with the most recent variants. Now, you guys know my take on this stuff. I think that the right has uh, not nailed this one on the vaccines. And I think for older people and for people with pre-existing conditions, uh, until this point, all the data has suggested that you were better off getting it, could reduce severe COVID. But if you hadn't noticed, over the last few months, we're not getting any studies suggesting the vaccines are keeping up with the latest variants. We're not getting any reports of it in the news. Now, why aren't we doing that? I think it's because there's no evidence that they're helpful. And maybe the next move is maybe the opposite. Maybe they're not helpful at this point. And so that's what I'm curious to see if this is going to be the information that we get. Because for them to announce that the pandemic is ending uh, suggests to me that whatever policies they've had to this point is going to become apparent to people that they're either no longer working or have never worked or maybe even backfiring. So just putting that on people's radar, that keep an eye out. This is weird. That all of a sudden they're declaring, even though we're still seeing lockdowns in China, we're seeing massive amounts of cases still. Uh, we're still talking about tens of thousands of cases over the last, you know, 10,000 new cases a day. They're tracked in the U.S., and we're not even tracking cases at the level we used to. It's the, you, you guys know who listen to the show. I had a kind of a dry cough last week and a half. I, I didn't get a, a test. Like, what do I care? It felt like a cold. It didn't even cross my mind to get a test and I was a week into it. So how many people really have the virus? Maybe a ton of us. But maybe we're seeing that something about their, their prior response uh, didn't work out. And so now they need to declare it's over. Just a thought. Keep that in mind as we uh, move forward because I do think we're going to see some new data and details that suggest something something that was prescribed to us by Dr. Fauci and the clowns of WHO wasn't what they told us a year ago. Just a suggestion. Meanwhile, the UN Human Rights Council is hosting Chinese propaganda denying the Uyghur genocide. It's just wild that this takes place in our country. There's a genocide going on in China and all these globalist elite don't even mention it. Pope Francis says it's not fair to call China undemocratic. The EU, however, has proposed a ban on goods that were made with forced labor. That would be a huge boon, uh, not, not boon, it would be a, a boom, I guess, to China. In your face move. So the, because China, of course, is forced labor, but I just don't, uh, don't believe the EU would ever enforce it. I, I just can't believe they can do anything that goes both against China and will make things more expensive for their people in Europe, because Europe is heading into a massive energy crisis and price crisis right now. Could be even a food shortage crisis. Some people who are really bleak are saying that um, the the uh, are really bleak or suggesting we could be even moving towards a famine 
Now, I'm not going to go that far yet, but I certainly have tipsters who are in Europe who are sending me information suggesting food shortage could be getting much, much worse. And why is it? It's because energy is not abundant enough there. Lasting supply chain issues, war on the continent with Ukraine and Russia, and of course, the globalist experiment, the Davos crowd, the World Economic Forum, has led the world astray in a lot of ways with their technocracy that they've built, largely with Europe as their test kitchen, also Canada and other places. But they've made the cost of living much more expensive for the middle class in the working class and the poor classes. Another thing, Pennsylvania Senate candidate John Fetterman, or Fetterwoman as he prefers to be known, is withholding documentation of a cognitive test he took. Scary stuff. Spencer Lindquist wrote this up for us at Breitbart News that his campaign claimed that he took a cognitive test but does not provide the documentation from the test. He's clearly not well. He's upping his public schedule, which is a big bet. Uh, and I'm curious if it pays off for him because there's he's trying to he's trying to reassure people um, that he's he's well, but he's not well. So if he's out there more, then maybe more people will know that he's not well. So all this will play out soon, but certainly certainly shows that he's not a shoe in to win that seat. Of course, he's going to be favored over Dr. Oz at this time, but I think more people are getting the picture that he should not be in the Senate for six years or six minutes, really. Now, most knee-jerk Democrats don't care if a person is smart or not. You know, they keep sending Maisie Hirono Hank Johnson, you know, people who are not bright people to the Congress over and over again. So they care how they vote. Will they vote properly? And Fetterman will vote like a Democrat or Fetterwoman, if you prefer. But uh, it, it is noteworthy that they're not confident enough to, to lock him down. They think he's got to get out there and do some more. And when he does, we'll have the clips for you. Donald Trump campaigned for J.D. Vance in Ohio, and uh, he had a lot of nice things to say about uh, one of our favorite candidates on the show, Breitbart News Daily. Let's play cut two, please, Mr. Zach. And then the New York Times did a fake story today, big front page, that J.D. wasn't sure if he wanted my support. J.D. is kissing my ass. He wants my support. So I'm 18 points up. If I was 18 points down, he wouldn't want my support. Yeah, that's uh, charming. Charming, kind of making fun of the guy who needs to win. Crucial seat, crucial seat. And a guy who pretty much stands for all the same stuff uh, Trump did. Let's see. Do we have any more from this rally before I take a break? Let's, let's play a couple more. We got a couple more cuts. Play cut three. Mitch McConnell is a disgrace, and I hope you're going to do something about it, J.D. He's a disgrace. He could have stopped all of it. And they still have time. They'll try and pack the courts. They're trying to get rid of the filibuster. You know that. And then let's play cut four. This is a very important race. This is a great person who I've really gotten to know. Yeah, he said some bad things about me, but that was before he knew me, and then he fell in love. <laughs> Remember I said that about Kim Jong-un. He fell in love, and they said, oh, Trump is saying he fell in love. Actually, he did, if you want to know that. I, I I don't know. I'm going to fall in love. That's that's a lot. It's over the top. I guess JD said some bad stuff about Trump. I guess in the campaign a long time ago, but uh, he came around a long time ago. All right. Interesting. Interesting tactic. <laughs>
Christian Adams goes all the way back with us at Breitbart to the Andrew Breitbart years, and he was someone who fed us a lot of important information and wrote for us uh, well over a decade ago, and he continues to do great work as an attorney, and he has a uh, organization that we discussed in the interview, recently scored a big election integrity victory. We start the interview with that before we touch on all, all other sorts of legal issues that are in the news, and he's got a lot of good takes on it. Let's hear it. It's great to have you back on the broadcast, Christian, and I want to talk to you about a victory you guys got with the Public Interest Legal Foundation. We'll start there. i got some other stuff I want to run by you, but a court ruled that mail voting in Delaware has actually violated their state constitution. Uh, longtime listeners of the show know that I, I think uh, mail voting is the uh, font of much evil in this country, to be uh, to turn a phrase. Uh, what's going on with this case? Congrats on it and explain it to us. Thanks, Alex. The Delaware Constitution doesn't allow mail voting, but hey, what does the Constitution matter these days, right? So the Delaware legislature passed a law to allow mail voting, and we at the Public Interest Legal Foundation are representing an election official. We sued. We said, hey, you you can't break the Constitution, and a court agreed with us, and it's a rare victory, isn't it, in this space where a state official is violating the election law, and we actually went in and won this case. We did have a similar case in Virginia two years ago. We won, but it you know it's it's great to actually uh, fix some of the worst things about the 2020 election. Uh, this is great. So tell me about how Delaware's constitution compares to other constitutions. Is it something that could potentially be uh, a a something that is used to? police any other state that is, let's say, less than uh, above board with their voting rules? Yeah, you're right. Mail voting is the font of, of a lot of evil. When I was at the Justice Department, I prosecuted a case there where mail voting was the whole scheme, is, you know, voting in people's kitchens uh, out of sight of the election yes. officials. Yes. And the Delaware Constitution says that voting has to be in person, and there's limited exceptions for that, limited exceptions. Uh, and those exceptions don't extend to this universal mail voting plan. Uh, the exceptions are like if you're sick or you're on travel or you're serving the military, that kind of thing. The stuff we used to live under, right, like 10 years ago, all those sure. familiar exceptions. Uh, but the Delaware Constitution says you can't have an election that's in the mail, and that's why we sued, and uh, that's why we won. Well, good for you guys. So do you have any other states you're targeting right now? Well, not so much on the mail voting issue. I mean, we're suing uh, Michigan over dead voters. Well, that case is moving along. Uh, Pennsylvania to get the alien foreigner voters that have been voting in Pennsylvania, getting data about that. So we've got other cases, but not one quite like the Delaware mail voting case. Um, Do you notice how the dead tend to vote Democrat? Well, of course, we don't get to see how they vote. Uh, I can tell you in Michigan, we had 25,000 named dead. These are people we found through public records, credit searches, uh, Social Security death index, a whole bunch of different ways to actually get accurate lists of deads uh, and uh, filtered out the duplicates. And so you can't see how they vote, um, but you can see how they register, right, in states that have closed primaries. And, uh, you know, there are Republicans who register, but there's also a whole lot of Democrats that register uh, when they're dead. Well, I, I want to ask you about a, the the state of election integrity right now. And um, I, I don't I don't want any happy talk. And I want some 
straightforward right. answers. Do you, what states do you feel like we've made a lot of progress since 2020, which again, whether or not you're in the camp that it was, you know, the election was totally rigged and stolen uh, or whether or not you're in the camp that like I am, that there is clearly some things that are on the books that should not be on the books and think that's a higher priority. I, I don't know exactly where you are, Christian. I just want to know where yeah. we've made progress. Well, where I am, the, the election, they didn't follow the rules in the 2020 election. And, yeah. and that's how we get consent of the government, Alex, is if you lose and everyone follows the rules, then we just dust off our pants and go on to the next election. But they didn't follow the rules. <clears throat> they had uh, private money flooding the zone in places like Philadelphia to turn out the vote <clears throat> going to election offices. So where are good things happening? Florida, good. Uh, DeSantis passed a great law to have state investigations of election crimes. Very important because you can read, Alex, at publicinterestlegal.org, our report called Safe Harbor. And what it showed was county election officials were referring 155 election crimes to prosecutors these are county election officials. This isn't like Sidney Powell, right? These are county election officials referring crimes to prosecutors who did nothing. The county prosecutors did nothing on any of the cases. So Ron DeSantis said, hey, we need a state election prosecution office because these counties aren't doing anything, and he got that passed. So Florida, good. Bad things still going on in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Those states are not fixed. And it's unfortunate that you've got a radical governor in two of those states, at least. Uh, and so he won't sign anything uh, or she uh, they won't sign anything that is common sense reform. And so that's still bad. You know, one thing that you noted is that people have stopped following their constitutions state by state. And I think in the country in general, I, this is a concept that can't be uh, understated enough. I know this really resonates with the Patriot audience because there's so many uh, of our hosts on the show really make the Constitution the centerpiece of their broadcast every single day. And then you, in the real world, the Constitution is just getting undermined constantly. And apparently this is going state by state as well. Uh, what recourse do we have here? Aside from relying on people like you who do this for a living, it's the we would love to restore some sense of law and order in this country. And isn't the basis of that, you know, abiding by the fundamental principles that you've laid out? Well, you know, I, I loved hearing Andrew's voice at the top. Andrew used to say everything's downstream of culture, right? And if yes. we have a culture that's lawless, it's very hard to recapture lawlessness or I'm sorry, law, law abiding uh, rule of law. And uh, unfortunately, we have a culture that's increasingly lawless. So I'm, I'm sort of at wit's end how we can put the toothpaste back in the tube. But you are exactly right, Alex. If you don't have people who abide by the Constitution, what you get is chaos. I can look at 4,000 years of human history and see what happens if you don't have the rule of law, if you don't have guiding principles, if you don't have bedrock foundations as to how you govern yourselves. All you got to do is look at human history and you see what happens. So it raises the question, uh, why would you want this lawlessness? Why would you have people who normalize lawlessness when all they got to do is open a history book and see the bloodshed and mayhem that it eventually creates? So everyone in the audience is concerned about election integrity. And I, uh, people who've been with the show for a long time, I used to do it felt like a segment a week when I was only on one day a week on election integrity before, you know, even the 2016 election. So going way back and to the very beginning of when I was was on air. 
And yet I do think that the right has lost the plot to a fair bit. I think we focus on a lot of the wrong stuff post-2020, and understandably so. I mean, there's an emotional component to politics. I think it was very upset and uh, frankly shocked that Trump lost and Biden, who we know was having rallies with no one there, got allegedly 80-something million votes. But what do you think the priority should be and uh, kind of evaluate how we're doing now uh, in, in the sort of aftermath of the post-January you know, the 6th world we're in? Yeah, election integrity on that topic. And, you know, I've been following, and when I was at the Justice Department, you know, 15, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, I've been in this space a long time. Unfortunately, after 2020, a lot of people chase shiny objects, right? Because we're not the problem. I'm not going to inventory those people right now. A whole bunch of grifters, Alex, flooded the zone in the space of election integrity. People have no idea what they're doing. They don't even know what some of the basic federal laws are. But by golly, they know how the election was rigged. And so they raised a lot of money and enriched themselves, but really don't have any victories to point to. That's one of the things, Alex, I would suggest. Ask people what they've won, right? What have they accomplished besides uh, bulking up their 990 form? So I, I think that's the bad side of this. The good side is a lot more people are paying attention after 2020. Uh, you know, that's good because, as you know, 10 years ago, nobody hardly except, you know, what, four or five of us paid attention to this space. Yeah, exactly. And then the Public Interest Legal Foundation, if you want to support you, Christian, where they go? Publicinterestlegal.org. You can read about our cases, download our reports on alien voting, and hopefully help. Um, well, congrats on the win. I want to run a couple other topics by you since uh, you're knowledgeable on some, some legal stuff. I, I want to ask you about the Department of Justice has refused to release Biden administration's plans to intervene in the 2022 election. This is a big story we had at Breitbart, Joel Pollock wrote out for uh, us, and it is, uh, I'll just read you the beginning of it, the DOJ is refusing to release 15 pages of documents that explain the Biden administration's strategy to implement a voter access policy It's being coordinated with left-wing groups. And uh, are you up on this? What's going on here? This sounds very, very shocking. This has been going on forever at the DOJ. I, I can tell you what the plan says. I haven't seen it, but I know what we did even during the Bush administration, and I can know what I can tell you what they did since then. They get all the federal agencies to do everything they can to increase registration voting. Uh, They use uh, military recruitment offices like they have to under federal law to be uh, voting registration offices. That's a federal law. Uh, They get all of the uh, different point of contacts with, with Americans become federal voting agencies, and they're doing this with the assistance of Demos, ACLU, all the other usual suspects like the Brennan Center, uh, Justin Levitt at the White House and his friends in academia, and they're just mm-hmm. turning the federal government into a voter registration office. Okay, that's what the plan says. I know they won't release it, but be sure that's what the plan says. And it's already done. It's already over with. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, this is what the federal government does. It's an Alinsky play where when you have power, you use power. And it really shouldn't surprise anybody that, um, you know, they've been doing this for, for a long time. Yeah, that is uh, noteworthy. Um, the next one I wanted to bring up, and this one's pretty fresh, but have you seen this uh, alleged whistleblower online of a viral video? Someone who said this group uh, called the the Good Information Foundation, which is a, a left-wing 501c3 group, was actually uh, telling uh, this person that they needed to produce anti-Trump videos. And 
as you're aware, and I think the audience is, but I don't think they know exactly how much drama goes into stuff like this. 501c3 status is, is very precious for a lot of people because it allows you to keep the donor spigot going because it's a write-off for, for wealthy individuals. So it's the, and a lot of these organizations sort of do political work, but they can't do it, they can't be overt about it because then they'll lose their strategy, they'll lose their, their status. And this person uh, named, uh, the, 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 this person um, who was in this viral TikTok video, uh, who apparently uh, is a, uh, is, is someone who is a very knowledgeable person, legal person, was paid off to make anti-Trump videos. Uh, this to me seems like automatic, uh, a slam dunk violation of 501c3 status and should be investigated by the IRS immediately, or am I missing something here? Yeah, what you're saying, Alex, is you can't use C3 money to make a video endorsing or attacking a political candidate of any sort. That's the black letter law. And, you know, I love the Good Information Foundation. It's really becoming almost Orwellian, isn't it? It's like, you know, bad information, Good Think Foundation. I mean, what's next? And so, uh, you know, you can't you can't have C3 money <clears throat> flowing into attacks on on partisan candidates or, you know, we can't even represent like Republican elected officials if they have an election law violation. Like I have to stand down on a whole lot of cases because uh, these are candidates for office. So yes. 501c3s can't play in that space. I was just offered $400 to make an anti-Trump video, says a guy who works for a nonprofit and by the nonprofit. It, it, it is, this is true, and again, I don't know if it's true, it's just what a guy's saying on a TikTok video, but if it is true, this seems like the sort of thing that if this was the reverse, if this was I was paid to make a pro-Trump video or I was paid to make an anti-Obama video, the IRS would be uh, 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 cracking down right away. And if nothing else, sending information requests. I mean, I've seen the IRS information requests. It's like, where you know, what church do you uh, go to? Uh, who spoke at your last event? I mean, it, it's serious in- inquiry. I very much doubt that the Orwellian uh, Good Think uh, Foundation is going to get any of those. Yeah, I don't think so. Also, um, do you have any thoughts on the the latest status of the uh, ongoing IRS raid? I'm sorry, the FBI raid of Donald Trump and any of the drama coming out of Mar-a-Lago. It just seems like we have not heard much over in recent weeks. I don't think we've got a full picture of what's going on from the DOJ or the FBI, and I think that might suggest they don't have a, a much of a case, but maybe they do. Do you have any read on this? Yeah, what I think is going on is you're you're basically going to be in an election freeze right now. Uh, I think they probably accomplished their top goal, which is to recapture any classified documents that were still there. Uh, you know, in other words, get possession of paper. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see any developments before the election on that. That's just sort of my take from how things operated inside DOJ when I was there. What do you think is the ultimate goal? Is the goal to keep Trump off the ballot? I think maybe it is. Maybe they just want to toxify him for a general election. Maybe they don't want him off the ballot. They just want him to really just have a tough time. I mean, do you have a thought on it? Yeah, Alex, I cannot overstate this. We need to stop talking about Merrick Garland 
and start talking about the downstream lawyers who do these cases. Uh-huh. Because policy is not driven by Merrick Garland. It's driven by the people like me, the GS-15s, who used to work at the DOJ. And we lose sight of the fact that the most rabid anti-Trump people are gravitating toward these investigations as a career move. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people that know the people signing up for J6 committee, for the investigation of of all the other FBI matters that are going on. And so this is a personal crusade. This is not about Merrick Garland. This is about people like Risa Burkauer. Ooh, who's that? I've never heard of Risa Burkauer. Well, you need to pay more attention to Risa Burkauer because she used to be the voting section where I worked, and she's a rabid leftist. And she's doing a lot of this, and we need to start paying attention to the individuals involved and and quit focusing on the people with armor who deflect and don't care about your criticisms like Merrick Garland and worry about the downstream people who are really driving the train. Uh, I've also noticed I checked out your Twitter part of the interview, and uh, you've said a lot of complimentary stuff about Queen Elizabeth, her funerals today. And I I wanted to share, as someone who's an American attorney, uh, why she resonates with you so much. You said she was the last great figure of the 20th century. I think you're probably right about this. Uh, uh, Why did she resonate with you so much? couple reasons I'm so glad you asked that question. Uh, look, we've lost that sense of decency in many places. I mean, Breitbart covers this all the time, you know, the, the decay sure. of culture, uh, the breakdown. Uh, and, and I think the queen, and look, I'm no monarchist. I'm no, you know, I, I think the revolution was a good thing. But in England, at least, the queen maintains this inherent national dignity that there is something unique about England, this limited constitutional monarchy. And she served with great distinction. Uh, She was alongside the greatest figures of the 20th century, advising Churchill, Reagan, John Paul II. Uh, She was right there in the thick of things when the Luftwaffe was over London, blowing things to pieces. She didn't leave London. She worked in the army. Uh, uh, You know, she was a great figure. And some of these people I hear, Look, I, I get it. We're Americans. But, you know, some of the people I hear saying, why are we worried about the queen? She represented, in my mind, the last great figure of the 20th century, represented decency, a great nation uh, who somehow, without a queen, look at New Zealand. New Zealand doesn't have any kind of monarch or, or head of state uh, other than, I guess, the queen, technically. But they have these wild parliamentary swings. There's no anchor in a parliamentary democracy like New Zealand compared to England, where there's this unifying force for goodness and that which is decent about being British. Uh, And so I think there's a lot of good things to say about Queen Elizabeth, um, you know, right now. We just need to recognize uh, it wasn't colonialism. That's all balderdash. I'd like to, you know, debate someone on that stuff uh, about the colonies being better off after the British were there than before. But I just think the Queen uh, is a great figure of decency, I think anybody with a religious perspective recognizes she's a a committed Christian, and uh, I think that she's just a great person. This is also what's striking. I'm just kind of keeping an eye on the funeral uh, while I uh, do the broadcast, and it just does seem like there's still this element of Christianity that's permeating it, and you just don't see that even in the United States, which yeah. is ostensibly a Judeo-Christian country, and uh, you know there is a a, a a a huge Judeo-Christian population that drives a lot of the day-to-day lives, the most important part of the day-to-day lives of tens, maybe hundreds of millions of Americans. And uh, I, I'm kind of, it's almost stunning to see this in the West, that they would be so openly talking about God and Jesus in, in such a forum. 
or one of the things I love to do every year, Alex, is watch the Queen's Christmas address because it's a head of state speaking in ways we're totally unfamiliar with about goodness and greatness and, and, and what Christmas is all about. And you just watch the Queen and, and the beauty of the prose, I might add. I mean, I, I know she doesn't write everything, but I know she writes something in her Christmas address. Uh, and the beauty of her prose is soaring. And, you know, it's like the great figures like Reagan and, and Churchill and you know, she represents, you know, this core of what it means to be a member of the uh, United Kingdom uh, a subject. And it's just something grand that keeps things together. You know, we started this segment talking about breakdown of law and order. A queen helps maintain uh, something. And maybe I can't tell you what that something is, but it's more than most places in the world have. Jay Christian Adams, I really appreciate you joining the broadcast. Uh, where can people find you? Where are the best places to find you online if they want to uh, pitch and help out what you're doing? Publicinterestlegal.org. I'm at a Twitter at Election Law CTR. Election Law CTR. Very good. Thanks, Christian. Appreciate it. Come back Thanks, soon. Thanks, Alex. Take care. today's broadcast. Thanks so much to producer Zach and Greg Evan. Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics. All of you who went to mysonhunter.com over the weekend and watched the movie can't thank you enough and maybe left a positive review on um, Broad Tomatoes or IMDb or a comment online. All that's really big. You'd also check out my social media. Go to alexmarlowe.com and you can find all my socials there as well. I was posting on Instagram over the weekend which was really fun uh, to do. I don't discipline myself enough to do it but when I do I uh, should plug it. So all of that for you if you want additional content, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.